0: the cornerstone for American life, because everything stems away from housing. If you don't have a nice housing nine times out of 10, you're probably gonna be in trouble with the law. You're gonna have health issues. Kids are not gonna do well in school. So we say housing is fundamental. Reading is fundamental in the school. Housing is fundamental for home. That's LaTonia Springs of Home,
1: Housing Opportunity Made Equal, explaining why housing is so important to all aspects of opportunity. Welcome to the University of Cincinnati Housing Systems Podcast, which discusses the topic of institutional investors and how they are changing the housing landscape. I'm Cade Williams.
2: I'm Natalie Kunis. And I'm Anna Stanley.
1: And we are all students a part of the Urban Planning Program at the University of Cincinnati.
2: In this episode, we're exploring how population decline and disinvestments in many areas of Cincinnati from the 1970s to the 1990s contributed to an environment that was ripe for some of the predatory lending practices and institutional investments of subsequent decades.
1: Well, to understand how disinvestment began, we need to discuss the progression of Cincinnati's development. Up until the 1950s, Cincinnati was a booming city. Cincinnati thrived on its robust economy. The population growth was monumentous and housing was in high demand. The 1950 census stated Cincinnati reached its peak population of 504,300, which was an increase of 11% from 1940's total population of just over 455,600. Most of Cincinnati's industrial growth historically has occurred in the western portion of the city along the Mill Creek. So how does industrial growth along the Mill Creek correlate to housing and disinvestment?
3: Well, a lot of the development that occurred in communities within the Mill Creek Valley included housing. After the 1950s, population in the city of Cincinnati declined similarly to numerous major cities in the United States at the time. As the previous episode explains, this was contributed to by the construction of I-75 and real estate practices that favored lending to white households in outer suburbs.
2: As a result, residents' access to housing was restricted. The local economy was brutalized, and a progressive decline in housing and living conditions across neighborhoods within the western side of Cincinnati occurred. That's just the beginning, though, of getting at this issue of disinvestment in Cincinnati's neighborhoods. Decline in the Price Hill neighborhoods really picked up in the 70s.
1: We would think after the Fair Housing Act of 68 was signed that redlining and other discriminatory practices would die out and racial segregation would start to dissolve amongst neighborhoods in Cincinnati. But racism, unfortunately, is not something that stops overnight or, in the case of this episode, within the span of a few years. When we look into the events from 1968 and onward in correlation of Cincinnati's housing history, we see that this investment is still prevalent.
2: Charles Casey Langer from the University of Cincinnati's Department of History stated that due to the racial discrimination, black citizens were mostly barred from the growing manufacturing industries arising in Cincinnati and thus limited to menial labor jobs. The 2008 Going Home publication of his continued by saying that the combination of low-income jobs and racial housing discrimination forced many of the city's new African-American population into areas of the city where housing was rapidly deteriorating. Unfortunately, these deteriorating neighborhoods face many challenges. For example, in the 1986 Lower Price Hill Urban Renewal Plan, it describes conditions of these neighborhoods as being detrimental to the public health, safety, morals, and general welfare of the neighborhood. However, this doesn't paint the entire picture of what these neighborhoods were like. They are rich in community and had much value.
4: I just recollect a very stable, normal neighborhood as I knew a normal neighborhood. And we were far from affluent. I mean, we were just all middle class. And, you know, at that time, private school was very affordable. So it was just this idyllic thing in my mind. I mean, I tell people growing up as a kid, I felt like I lived on the best street in the best neighborhood in the best city because it just felt that way. We loved life.
3: Pete Witty is a lifelong resident, business owner in Price Hill, and has served as vice chairman of the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority. He has seen the disinvestment and the rise of investment in single-family rentals firsthand and explains that it has a longer history than just the recent boom.
4: The dynamic around public housing was changing, you know, the dense, low-income neighborhoods that had been built out through the 50s and 60s had run its course, those properties now were in need of major investment. The housing choice vouchers created this method where they could fix their public housing problem, the decay of public housing and the environment that went along with it by allowing people to take a voucher and go find themselves better quality housing, better area, better street, better neighborhood, better whatever. And this is where the affordability of the west side in a place like Price Hill really came into play. People started to recognize that there was income potential. Neighborhoods that were affordable were instantly vulnerable because if you're an investor and you can buy a two family in Price Hill for $22,000, and in Hyde Park, that same thing would have been 122. Where, Where do they go? Of course they go to where it makes sense.
1: Much of the disinvestment and deterioration that started to occur in the 70s and lasted through the 80s was actually accelerated in the 90s. This disinvestment and depreciation led to further declining populations in these neighborhoods.
2: The Price Hill neighborhoods were one of the more noticeable areas hit the heaviest by population decline and disinvestment in the 90s. These neighborhoods saw a loss of about 7% of the population. They dropped from around 44,000 residents in 1980 to 40,800 in 1990. The decline through the 90s was even greater. The population further declined by 11%, down to just 36,388 residents.
1: The trend of white flight continued to change the demographics of blue collar workers within West Side neighborhoods.
2: The declining population led to vacancies and a loss of businesses and amenities, which further trended the neighborhood in decline.
1: The allure of the newer suburban developments, further from deteriorating housing stock in many neighborhoods, lured some residents to leave their longtime homes.
2: With the disinvestment of these neighborhoods, predatory landlords entered the scene, snatching up devalued real estate well before the historic foreclosure crisis of 2008. Brought disproportionate hardships to Price Hill residents.
3: Home Housing Opportunities Made Equal is a nonprofit corporation fighting illegal housing discrimination and promoting diverse, integrated neighborhoods in Cincinnati since 1968. Latanya Springs is the assistant director and has been with Home since 2006.
0: When certain people start moving in with the voucher. The other people start moving out and I think that that's the bigger that's the bigger problem because if if they would have remained in their homes when the people with the vouchers came in it wouldn't be a home for them to rent so what happened is is that white flight that's what happened some renters had decided to rent their properties to people with section a vouchers A lot of white residents that were in that area who did not want to live with the voucher holders decided to move further out into the county. In the Price Hill area, you had the Section 8 vouchers coming in, and then you also had the Hispanic people coming in in Price Hill. And when they came in, a lot of the original white residents, they moved because they did not want to live in an integrated neighborhood.
3: Harold Jones is a current board member and former president of the board of directors of HOME and is currently an insurance agent within the city. He explains that it's not just the flight of property owners that has opened the door to investors. In recent years, remaining owners in these neighborhoods have also seen more aggressive tactics by investors.
5: It's like human vultures that are trying to grab your property. Every day you get five to six phone calls Do you want to sell your property? Investors who are trying to get property, you know, they will go through these neighborhoods and look for issues that they'll then take back to the city and tell the city that people are not maintaining property. So then the city becomes involved. The city places liens and work orders and so forth on properties that would not ordinarily be there. Also that people will begin to lose their properties.
1: Disinvestment in vulnerable neighborhoods across Cincinnati in the 70s up through the 90s had laid an unstable foundation, which has been an opportunity for institutional investors to swoop in and buy single-family homes en masse to rent out for large profits. This continues to affect minority home buyers at a greater level and takes household wealth creation opportunities away from them.
2: And we're starting to see this trend creep into other neighborhoods and communities around the city. Though the efforts of these institutional investors to deplete the available housing stock in disinvested neighborhoods are no longer being unnoticed. We are now seeing a collective awareness of the drastic situation from both residents and housing organizations. Government and nonprofit housing organizations have been fighting to prevent the continued barrage of single-family institutional investing in disinvested neighborhoods, but it will continue to be an uphill battle.
0: During this time, the city was not, housing was not even on the radar. Today, housing is on the radar. We have a active city council, the the Hamilton County commissioners, the federal government, the state legislators, they're all beginning to understand what HOME has known since 1968. Whether you're looking at the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s,
5: one thing that has remained consistent in housing in the Cincinnati market is segregation. Whether you're talking east side, west side, whether you're talking the north, whether you're talking the south, whether you're looking at the racial barrier or whether you're looking at the issue of socioeconomic, segregation has and continues to remain one of the big isolators in housing in Cincinnati.
2: Thank you Latanya Springs and Harold Jones and Pete Whitty for taking the time to speak with
3: us. I'm Natalie Kunis.
1: I'm Cade Williams.
3: And I'm Anna Stanley. And, and this is the, is the University, University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati Housing, Systems Housing
2: Systems Podcast. Podcast.